I gotta tell you, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero. I am excited to be part of the EMS One family. I gotta tell you, in addition to the EMS One member newsletter that you get three times a week, you can also subscribe to newsletters focused on EMS Grant Help, the CAPNO Academy, and Patient Safety. In addition to our Leadership Level Paramedic Chief Newsletter, I just love the Paramedic Chief Newsletter, it's a subscription to Paramedic Chief that includes a monthly newsletter focused on best practices for progressive EMS leaders. Produced in partnership with the National EMS Management Association, it also includes the monthly Paramedic Chief Leadership Briefing, in which EMS chiefs and industry experts share research insights on their success stories, from innovative protocol implementation to recruitment strategy and retention wins, as well as the tweet of the week and the three and out, including public safety thought leadership, special coverage, and book recommendations. Go ahead and check it out. Visit www.ems1.com profile slash subscriptions, or very easily you can click on my newsletters from your EMS1 profile page and subscribe today. And please email editor at ems1.com if you'd like to share your own advice with the EMS1 community. We all learn and benefit from hearing about each other's experiences. And I got to tell you, I just love Paramedic Chief. But there is one person I love more than reading Paramedic Chief. And here he is, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. KG, how you doing? Uh, I'm stressing, man. I've got an algebra college algorithm. Oh my God, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me, let me tell you, man, here's, here's the secret to algebra. You use the clock method, almost like you do in, uh, <laughs> don't, 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 don't even start. No, come on. Let me, so if you're stuck on a problem, you look at the clock, right? And if uh, the second hand is between 12 and three, it's a, if it's between three and six, uh, it's B. If it's between six and nine, it's, you know what I mean? Nine and 12 is D. So it's easy, yeah. man. Use the clock method. Hope, You'll be fine. I hope you didn't calculate your lidocaine doses that way. Oh, well. but just like that. Just like that. It, it was all 30. All, always 30 drops. Always 30 drops. <laughs> so, you know, Kelly, I think we got some good news. You know, a couple weeks ago, you know, we talked about our friend Brian Fast. And, of course, he passed away unexpectedly. But, you know, if there's anything that comes out of, uh, you know, tragedy, there's some good news. And his wife, Laura, Jason Brooks, and Bruce Mills, they are going to carry on the torch that Brian started as part of his great legacy, and Fit Responder is going to continue. And uh, we are very excited to hear that, because, you know, you and I talked, Kelly, that Brian's work really, you know, outlined uh, where EMS needed to be, and it it seemed like there was only one guy who was doing it. And, of course, he had a team. He wasn't the only one who was doing it. He had a team of people who was helping him, you know, to to change the paradigm of what was going on in leadership when it came to fitness, when it came to health, uh, living a healthy lifestyle, when it came to diet. And I got to tell you, I mean, if there's anything that, uh, you know, that I've heard in the last couple weeks is that uh, Brian's legacy is going to continue. His wife, Laura, is going to pick up the torch along with uh, Jason and Bruce and they're going to continue this, and I think this is outstanding news. Yeah, yeah, it is. <clears throat> it, it's great to know that, that, that Jason and, and Laura and Bruce are going to be doing this. I, I don't – I've never had the pleasure of meeting Laura or, or Jason. Bruce is a, uh, uh, a social media friend. We converse a, a fair bit, and I, I had no idea that he was uh, working with Fit Responder. But this is a message that Brian trumpeted and, and Brian championed for so long that needs to continue. We're not healthy as a profession. 
myself included, and God knows it was worse uh, six, eight months ago than it is right now. And I'm getting better every day. But but as a profession, we, we, we're not active enough. We don't eat well enough. Um, <clears throat> we don't take care of our bodies well enough. And, and thus, it, it not only shortens our careers, but it shortens our, our, our lives as well. So, you know, there are so many things in EMS that that uh, conspire to to ruin your diet and your fitness. Yeah, we work hard, but we don't work hard enough for long enough to to really call it exercise. We may lift a thousand pounds or more a shift, but we're not lifting it for very long and we're lifting it with help. Uh, And we're eating that 3 a.m. convenience store diet. Uh, and, and it's difficult to stay on the wagon and, and stay on the, the fitness wagon when when working that kind of thing. And Brian gave us real world practical tips on how to do that. And, and that sort of message needs to continue because, man, it it need not be a young man's game if the older man is, is fit enough to to stay in it. And that's what I'm I'm trying to do myself. You know, one of the things I talked to Brian about, um, you know, a couple years back, and I didn't have the opportunity to put this in. This was kind of one of the things I was working on at Christian Hospital before I left there was, you know, we were talking about, and actually we had him on the show, Kelly, I don't know if you recall, but we were talking about how are we going to eat well when, you know, you talked about the 3 a.m. diet, right? And or the 3 a.m. you know fast food. I mean that was easy. I mean it was for me. It was always those hot dogs, right? They're always just right there. And I gotta tell you, I I love a fast food. I love a a convenience store hot dog. I gotta be honest with you. But one of the things that I was trying to do is I went around the community, and this was just after the Ferguson event because there were a lot of there were a lot of places in Ferguson, Missouri, and some of the other areas that were closing because of what was happening there. And I talked Mm -hmm. to Brian. And one of the things that I did is I went around to the to the restaurants and I said, look, we eat bad. It's really horrible. Is there something that you could put together that's a quick meal that if, you know, the EMS agency calls you and it's relatively priced, that's a healthy meal, a protein, some vegetables, they come in with $5 and you give it to them. And there was like three or four of those restaurants that were willing to do that. So instead of being able to stand in line at you know, McDonald's and order your food and then wait for it, but then get a call. And how many times have you paid for a meal, Kelly? And, you know, you've had to leave before that meal uh, arrived. Uh, Hopefully you get the chance to go back and pick it up later after that call. But, you know, being able now to call the the local restaurant and and get a protein and some vegetables uh, for a relatively uh, small price I think it's a best practice, and I think it's some of the things as EMS leaders we've got to do within our community. So it's easier for you, Kelly, just to call the you know the local whatever and get a piece of meat, and you know, and uh, kind of have that instead of going for the hot dog. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is uh, anything that makes that easier is going to be a healthier option for us. I think the the next step on the chain should be cons- uh, collaborate with the. Uh, DoorDash and Waiter and, and Uber Eats and these food delivery services and say, hey, here's our posting locations. <laughs> uh, can we can we get you to bring something to our directly to our ambulance? Um, look for the look for the, the big rolling billboard parked in this parking lot with two EMTs in the front sleeping or, or, or chewing the fat like you and I do. Um, chewing the fat. <laughs> uh, chewing the no, healthy, no pun, no pun intended, right? No pun chewing intended. The healthy, lean meat, low in carbs. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, that would, there, there's so many options out there now that we, we haven't yet explored and, and I look forward to, to Brian's legacy carried on with by Laura and, and Jason and Bruce, uh, in doing that and coming up with even better options and, and better solutions for the problems we face. Yeah. And, and, you know, Brian was a, was a frequent guest on the show and, uh, once the dust settles, uh, we like to get Laura on and her team and, uh, you know, we talk about how we can do this because, you know, it takes a village and we need to be able to make certain that we're all carrying it on together. But, you know, Kelly, there's another thing that I wanted to talk about. I read this article mm -hmm. on uh, EMS One uh, and it was really reprinted from the Code Green campaign and it made me kind of think about loving somebody with PTSD and, you know, I think that this is something that, uh, you know, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, we try to champion the fact that PTSD is real and, uh, you know, we may not think it's real or we may not think that we're having any challenges, but, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, made me realize that, uh, even though I thought I was resilient, I was Superman, there may have been some symptoms that I had that I wasn't mm -hmm. really admitting to, which could have been really dangerous for anybody who's out there that, uh, you know, you're feeling this stress and you're feeling this tension, uh, but you're not really owning up to the fact that, uh, you know, it may be from PTSD. But, you know, in this in this article, it was really talking about the people who, who love those providers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it made me kind of think about it from a discussion. You and I talked about your own feelings uh, of how you were, you know, going through your uh, uh, stressful times. And, you know, what about the people who are around us? I mean, so what advice do we have for those folks that when we may feel this stress and we're not admitting it, when we may feel this, you know, this trauma, but we're not admitting it, how do we react to the people who are close to us that maybe it's easier for us to push them away than include them into our own, you know, our own uh, uh, challenges that we're having? You know, I, I think the key for me, uh, I can't speak for anyone else, but the key for me uh, was in realizing it was a problem. And, and I've never, prior to Nancy pointing out something to me, uh, considered myself uh, someone who potentially had PTSD. Depression, yes, that was well known. I knew that. Uh, I knew that shortly after the, the breakup of my marriage when I spotted behavior patterns that just had me, uh, th that I repeated throughout my life, even before I got into EMS. And, and uh, you know, I, I, if you remember, I asked my doctor shortly after that breakup, said, what would you, you know, if you had a patient who slept 18 hours a day on his days off and uh, uh, never, you know, never got dressed and, and left the house unless he absolutely had to, now he gets up and he goes to work, he does his shifts and all that, but but uh, he really just has no energy. What did you say is wrong with that guy? And he said, well, that guy's suffering from major depression and he needs help. And I said, oh, well, I, okay, I was just asking for a friend. <laughs> but I, I never really considered PTSD for me to be a problem until Nancy pointed out to me one day that, you know, my unreasoning anger. Uh, I've, I've always been, Chris, afraid of my temper, but I've been in recent years far more likely to lose it. And, and because I'm, I'm far more likely to lose it, my, my defense mechanism to keep that from happening because I'm afraid of my temper is to isolate myself. And I get away from the things that are, that are causing me stress and about to make me lose my temper. And that caused me distance from Nancy, caused me distance from my friends um, until one day she said, well, why are you getting angry over something so insignificant? And that just floored me. 
I, I, I had no, I never looked at it that way. I, I thought, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to identify more with Red Foreman from that 70s show than I am with Eric. <laughs> and, and uh, I just, you know, uh, I, I'm reaching that, that uh, get off my lawn stage. But she was right. Things that, that really were fairly insignificant would just cause me to explode. So realizing that, I, I think uh, Nancy did the greatest service to me uh, for someone potentially suffering from PTSD. Is she made me aware of the problem and made me, uh, and made me um, make sure that I understood that, that uh, as long as I tried to deal with it, she would try to deal with it too and she would you know allow me those coping mechanisms we still argue uh and we still argue over my coping mechanisms i like to get away if i'm angry until i can come back and and resume the argument with a clear head or the discussion with a clear head but at least she lets me know about it and and the fact that uh that she said you know uh um i fell in love with with a guy who is not the person that i'm with right now and I want that guy back. Uh, that that cold dash of water made me realize I had a had a major problem. Um, I think support and acceptance and and making people question the the sufferer question is why where is all this stress and where is all this coming from? Um, and, and then you can start to work on it. Me, it wasn't any specific event. I'm I'm a pretty resilient person. But just cumulatively stress, not just job related stress, everything has just really started to, to grind on me. Uh, and, and that bubbles over quite often. So knowing about it, uh, forewarned is forearmed. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, you know, so insightful. And it really kind of took somebody that you were close to, you know, to kind of show and say, you know, what, what's the challenge here? But, you know, as we now start to think about that, from, uh, you know, the side of, um, listening to those people who are around us, it could have very easily went the other way to where Nancy said, why are you getting so upset about insignificant things? And you kind of snap. And her- what? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, so I-, I don't know that there's really an answer then, you know, um, because you could still have that, uh, you know, still have that temper to say, you know, what are you talking about? Mind your own business kind of thing. I don't get upset about the little things, which you would be doing in that case. But uh, we really have to kind of pay attention to the people who are around us and what they're saying, Kelly, because that could have very easily went the other way. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. And, and you know, it's it sounds trite to say this, and, and I don't mean to say it belittling anyone else's experiences or coping mechanisms, but happiness is a choice. It really is. It's a choice. Um, sometimes that choice might not be obvious to us. It might not be an easy choice. But but truly, the thing, the, the secret to being happy and what you do and, and in your relationship and in your life and in your career is you focus less on the things that bug you and more on the on the joy you get from it. And, you know, career wise, it was one of those things where where I realized that I'm not going to save every life. Uh, as a matter of fact, the times I do save a life are more due to timing and, and circumstance than any particular skill I might possess, which with an ego as big as mine, that's a, that's a tough admission to make. But um, 
if I think that, that my job is that important and that saving lives is the, is the most important thing, then I lose sight of all the things that are, that are truly important to the people I work on or the people I care for, uh, that have nothing to do with saving a life. So you, you start savoring little victories like making somebody smile or, or delivering someone to the hospital in a little better condition than you found them and easing their fears and all that kind of stuff. And those little victories add up to a lot. Uh, to increase your happiness. And, and the same thing goes uh, at home. Um, I don't, uh, I, I've become more uh, accepting of things that, that used to bug the heck out of me. Uh, I, I've gotten gotten better at it because, like I said, forewarned is forearmed. I've made a conscious effort to focus on the things that, that bring me happiness and ignore the things that, that bring me stress. And that's working. Right. Working. I, I'm a happier individual. Now it ain't. It's a work in progress. I right. still have my problems, but it's better. Yeah, I know you got your problems, and I do want to. I, I do want to talk. I do want to talk about the show that I am one of the things that uh, make Kelly Grayson happy. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, but I think it really comes down to you know sharing that. One of the challenges that I would have, Kelly, is when I came home you know, from work, whether it was a 12 hour shift or a 24 hour shift and, uh, you know, being married and, um, you know, my wife would always say, how was your day? And I would always have the same response. I didn't kill anybody. And, you know, I think that that was it. You know, I didn't talk about my, my work. I didn't talk about my day. I didn't talk about the calls that I ran. And, you know, when I would go to social events with my wife, she would, uh, you know, there'd be stories that were happening and, you know, people were talking about the things that were going on and she'd always say the same thing. Well, no, I don't know about this. We don't, we don't talk about these things. And, you know, she would kind of learn from, you know, what other people were saying about the, um, you know, about the, you know, events that were going on at work. Right. And one of the things that I realized from that is here I was trying to keep her away from, you know, the, the horrors that we would see and the challenges that we would see. And I didn't want to bring the work home and talk about the, you know, the stresses in the day, whereas she was more uh, in the dark and didn't know how to bring me back to a place of, I had to keep it all my, you know, I had to make it all happen myself. And I don't know that that was the best thing. Here I was trying to save her from the horror of the, of the job. And I think I did more damage than I did good because I wasn't sharing anything at all. And, um, you know, but that's another thing. Sometimes I think you need to talk about those things that you see just so the people who are around you have an understanding of what you're going through and maybe, you know, giving you a little bit uh, wider runway when you need to just uh, veg out or, you know, to kind of have a little bit more understanding. So I got to tell you, in in a process where I thought I was doing good for my family, Maybe I wasn't doing so good after all. Yeah, and and you know, gender roles play play into this as well. Um, uh, but even for those of us who are you know non-binary or or, or or reject those gender roles in any relationship, usually there's you know one of those parties is a nurturer to some degree. You know, and, and our traditional quote unquote traditional relationships usually the, the female is a nurturer and the man is the stoic and provider and and that sort of thing. And that, you know, as, as a male, it, it, it's, you know, it's taught to me as a child and and that's the, the attitude I I bring to the world. Um, and and it's reinforced by, by society is that, that men are supposed to be stoic and men are supposed to not complain 
and to provide and not to share their burdens with with their their spouse. And so I'm I think I'm conforming to that gender role and I'm just suffering silently. But I, I neglect to realize that she is suffering as well because I'm denying her role as a nurturer. Nancy takes very good care of me. She she you know she cooks and cleans and all that kind of stuff, which I don't necessarily need. She says I do, but I, I did it fine on my own. But that's, that's, you know, one of the ways she, she demonstrates affection in a relationship. And, and that whole thing about, you know, easing my fears and my hurts when I'm suffering, uh, I'm denying her by keeping it all to myself. And when you deny someone else, the other party, uh, their their central role in your relationship, it's not real good for your relationship. So learning how to to let her be my my partner and, and spouse and helpmate uh, and help me through those things was a, was a big struggle for me. Yeah. Um, it was one worth making. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, I've said it for a long time. And, you know, we talk about Nancy all the time on the show. Nancy McGee is not only a great uh, EMS educator, you know, an expert in uh, volunteer EMS, but that woman is going right to heaven because she is living her purgatory right now, <laughs> being, part, being part of Grace and Acres down there in uh, wonderful Pickin, Louisiana. But, Kelly, you know, I, I think so from this from this show, one of the things I wanted to get out of it is, you know, realizing that there's a there's a better half uh, to the people that are around us. And it makes no difference if you're a male provider. It makes no difference if you're a female provider. If you have somebody who's close to you, give them the opportunity to let them help you to decompress, to let them help you work through your challenges. There's no shame in the person that you are, you know, giving, you know, time in your life to you know, to sit on the couch and hold their hand and, and uh, maybe shed a tear or two of something that uh, happened at work. You know, I think that this is what just keeps you healthy. But uh, Kelly, go ahead and give me your final thought. Yeah, in any situation, burdens are best, are easier when they're shared. And there's a great big difference between shifting a burden and sharing a burden. Um, <clears throat> between the two of you in a healthy relationship, you should be able to share those burdens and, and overcome them. But hey, that's what I think. That's what Chris thinks. We'd like to hear what you think. What is the best thing that your spouse, partner, or helpmate can do for you to manage your stress, to manage your depression, to manage your burden? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Ciballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week.